Welcome to the Elephant in the Room on WJAS. Uh, my name is Lenny Oreo, and Sam asked me to fill in for him this week. He's uh, unable to do the show. Uh, so who am I? Uh, I'm one of the development coordinators for RCAC, and uh, my job is to develop uh, committee members and uh, fill each one of our 1,326 uh, precincts with a committee man and committee woman. Um, today, we're going to discuss the building of the committee and the best practices. And uh, once you have your committee built, you know, what's, what are the next steps to uh, get our candidates across the finish line? So there's no one better to discuss committee building in this city than our guest, Karen Paulette. Hi, Karen. Hello, everyone. Um, Tell us a little bit about the precinct project so, and your yeah, background yeah. in building committees. So um, relatively, in the last couple of years, I'm pretty new to, to figuring out how the precinct project works, but it doesn't take long to figure out um, how it's needed and so forth. So watching Fox, Fox News one day, I'm you know, reviewing everything, and I hear uh, a gentleman by the name of Dan Schultz, uh, he's out of Arizona, talking about the need to build committee people. And I didn't understand what committee people were, and I didn't completely understand what he meant by precincts. And so I start listening to um, him talk about the need to fill these spots. And I'm a numbers person, and what I mean by that is, you know, numbers make sense to me. So if you have 100 spots and, and five are filled, then you have a 95% gap type of thing. So um, I start doing a little bit of research after watching it and uh, realized that Allegheny County is in um, dishevel. I mean, we are, at the time, we're in really, really bad shape. We're not and in what great time, shape. What time? So what year been, What year was this that, we, that you started getting involved? It would have been right after uh, the 2020 election. Okay. So right after the 2020 election um, when we lost, and we lost in key areas of our county that we probably should have won. Um, we can debate back and forth whether it was a real loss right. or not. That's not the issue here. Um, the issue is, is I start looking at the numbers of Allegheny County. Uh, so I'll, I'll explain a little bit of how it works. So Allegheny County has boroughs, municipalities, um, districts, townships, uh, et cetera, and they're, they're broken down. For instance, you know, I'll just name a few. You have the city of Pittsburgh itself, and then you have, for instance, you know, a hundred and some other areas such as Baldwin or Whitehall or um, Moon Township, to name a few, or Robinson. And you can go on uh, forever with the list of the, the areas. Well, each of those areas um, have their own uh, committee people, and they have their own m political organizations as far as they have mayors and so forth. And so let's just take, for instance, I'll, I'll use Dormont as an example. You have um, committee people, X amount of seats that are in Dormont that need to be filled, and both Democrats and Republicans get seats for this these committee spots. And they're broken down by voting district, too. So if That's you correct. have, if Dormont has four places where you vote, that's four separate voting districts. So you'll have a committee man and a committee woman in each one of those voting districts for a total of eight. Uh, where I am in Heidelberg, we have one voting district. So there's one committee man and one committee woman, and that's it. So that's how they break them down. That's correct. So there's 1,326 basically voting Voting places. districts, Voting right. districts. In, in the, the Allegheny County. Yeah, in Allegheny County. So what that means is there's 2,652 seats because you get one for a male and one for a female in every single voting district for both the Democrats and the Republicans. So Democrats get 2,652 seats, and so do the Republicans. However, 
the Democrats seem to almost always have their seats filled, where the Republicans do not. And yeah, I think the, t- the last time we checked, they had the last time they had a Democrat vote, they had fourteen hundred people vote. So that was fourteen hundred active out of their twenty six hundred. So it's actually it's not too bad. They're not completely full, but we were when we two and a half, two years ago we were at four hundred and thirty. Right, maybe a little bit below. Right. Uh, like for this, for instance, the city of Pittsburgh has um, over 400 voting places, so they have over 800 committee spots that are available. The city of Pittsburgh, in almost every election, um, never wins a Republican seat. And, you know, you can take out the the recent Sapala incident because that's its own um, entity in itself. Um, and at the time, we had you know when the 2020 election was over. We only had about 14 to 16 seats that were filled out of those 800. Out of 804. So when you want to say that we really lost, you know, as far as the 2020 election and elections after it, a lot of that I personally contribute to the fact that, you know, you had basically under 20 committee people out doing their jobs, bringing awareness and education to the people of, of the city of Pittsburgh in this in this example and so they don't know any any better. I didn't know any better till I started doing my own my own research here. Uh, since then, we're up to about seventy five or eighty. We're still a long way off of filling eight hundred seats in the city. In the city of Pittsburgh, yeah, which um, is still a lot better than fourteen. A lot better than fourteen. You know, it's it's mul- you know a multiplier. Um, you know, so one of the good things uh, Karen and I met during uh, Tony Moreno's campaign, and I think our first meeting. Uh, of the city committee was in his office and there were 12 people there. I'll never forget that. That was in summer of 2021. So we've come a long way since the summer of 2021. Not to jump in, right, but go right, ahead. Yeah, right. back, back to what you were saying. But but part of how we start getting seats filled in, in all of Allegheny County is by holding educational meetings. Because just like myself, I've never heard of this thing um, called precincts, didn't understand it, didn't understand the role of committee people. Right, what do they do? Okay, we got our committee filled, now what? Right, so you, you have know? your committee, what do they do? How, you know, how do we get um, the community out and involved? And the reality is, is it does work as long as we can get people that will fill in these seats. The one thing that always bothers me is we have Republicans out there complaining about the outcome of elections. And yet, when you ask a lot of them, what are you doing, other than maybe saying, I'm going to the voting polls, there might they don't have any other involvement if we can get information out there if we can get people to fill these seats we might have better outcomes and we have examples that we can prove that filling these seats makes a difference in the in the outcome of an election right and we're going to cover that in this hour um you know not only what the committee is but once you have your committee in place what what strategies do you use to get your uh candidates across the finish line and, oh, well, what have you done? Okay, so you've built the committee in Pittsburgh. You've built the committees in uh, the suburbs. What are some of the results? And we're going to cover some of that stuff. Uh, but for, for a second, talk a little bit about, uh, it was about a year after we first met and we started to talk about building the precincts that the issue in Loudoun County and the Virginia election with um, Governor Yunkin, I uh, was was headline news, and we all know. Just to briefly summarize, a trans boy was in, or a trans girl was in the girls' room and assaulted a, a girl. And there was it was the second time that that had happened. 
they moved the child to another school and it happened again. And there was a big uh, fuss over the school boards. And that's really uh, what got some of the parents uh, angered. But talk about how the committee building process worked in that example. Yeah, so um, Loudoun County, Virginia, as you know, some of you might know, they elected a Republican governor in their last election. Uh, what you may or may not know is that going into that uh, gubernatorial year is that in February-ish time frame before the uh, May elections or whenever they do their elections down there in Virginia, they had about 23 percent, somewhere around there, you know, low 20s of their committee spots filled. So that's the the seats that we were just talking about um, in Allegheny County that we have this large gap and this large vacancy that needs to be filled. So they were about 23%. So a group of them got together to basically start um, moving the ladder forward and, and looking at how we can get people out there to vote. And it came back to getting the committee seats filled. So they start working on going to each of their areas where they had committee seats for their precincts um, in the area of how of their voting areas of how we actually get our numbers filled. So they worked really hard, and then the, the end result is they had over 90% of their seats filled going into the November election. And compared to where they were at in the low 20%. These people were motivated because they were motivated. upset. They were, they were mama bears, and they were upset about what was going on in their school district. And, uh, you know, obviously with something like that, it's really easy to uh, generate interest. Uh, well, you know, there's enough going on in the world right now that everybody should be upset all the time about pretty much everything, right? right. Let alone their school boards. But uh, you know, there was a reason that they went from 23 to over 90 percent filled, and then uh, along for the ride, I think Governor Youngkin won because so many people were out voting for their school board members, right? That by you know, they dragged everyone out to also vote for the, the uh, Republican governor. And the Republican governor was solidly behind, uh, you know, the rights of the kids that were assaulted in both of those schools. So they made no bones about that. And, um, and they won a landslide victory. So, you know, Karen and I and the other people on these, uh, our local precinct projects started to talk about this and said, hey, this is the roadmap. If we want to start to make some... Uh, uh, hey, uh, in the Pittsburgh market, Allegheny County, we need to look at, you know, let's not recreate the wheel. Let's look at what's worked in the past. And everything that we've done has been based on what works, not what do I think might work or what kind of let's have some good ideas. What have we done that works? And let's repeat that. So that in, in that spirit, uh, we looked at Loudoun County. We talked and when we met, uh, we'd have meetings at various restaurants in town. Actually, Bado's in Mount Lebanon was one of them, and they just yeah. closed. We're so upset. Yeah. That was one of our favorite places. Uh, their Sicilian pizza with uh, prosciutto is going to be missed. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, we would have those meetings, and we would sign up people, but we, we still didn't have any critical mass. I mean, we were, we were signing up committee members, but it was one here and one there, maybe a couple here, a couple there. So we started to um, we started the development committee at uh, RCAC, and uh, Karen and I were asked to head that uh, effort. 
And we had to come up with some ideas on how to build the committee in a little faster than throwing events and ho hoping people show, showed up because, as we all know, hope is not a strategy. So we started to work with neighboring communities. So, for example, I live in the Chartreuse Valley School District. I am the committee chair of Heidelberg, which is just a single voting district, small community. But we also have Scott Township, Bridgeville, and Collier. Well, we had a full working committee in Scott, full working committee in Heidelberg and Collier, but we had nobody in Bridgeville. And with this municipal election coming up, we had you know people that we were hoping were going to run for council seats and uh, school board, which you know we knew that for a fact we were going to need Bridgeville to come through for our school board candidates. So we made it priority number one to find a chair, someone that would chair the Bridgeville committee and gather you know, some like-minded friends and uh, put together a committee in, in Bridgeville. And we were able to do that. I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but you know, this, is, this is how, what I wanna talk about is our efforts at RCAC and what we've been able to do to build the committee. So we were able to build a committee of about 10 people in Bridgeville. We ran three council members against three incumbent Democrats and we swept all three races. Now this committee in Bridgeville didn't start until February of this year. And by November, this is, a, this is Loudoun County only on a much smaller scale. Um, and I guess that's maybe the point of this whole exercise is if you look at just your backyard and you fix just your voting district, there's so much more we can do. I mean, to have three Republican candidates sweep three Democrat incumbents off Bridgeville Council is pretty incredible. Oh, and we swept all five of our school district seats as well, including one of our candidates that was not cross-filed, that was registered as a Republican and beat the uh, incumbent Democrat. So some things happened in this last election that were based on committee people getting out the vote, passing out flyers, uh, knocking on doors, putting up, up yard signs, in a concerted effort between four of our communities to get our candidates over the goal line. And um, so when we went from 450 uh, RCAC members to about 900 since July of 2022, that's how we did it. We looked at our local, I've talked to people in South Fayette, which is close to Scott and Bridgeville. Uh, we're gonna work on North Fayette uh, next. Uh, which is Sam's community. Uh, we're going to try and get some people in there uh, and get, you know, make, make it so that they have uh, someone working the polls in all of their districts. And we're going to talk about that a little bit too, what your responsibilities are. It's pretty, it's pretty easy stuff. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the successes in the city of Pittsburgh, because you're, you live in the city. Uh, we're up to about 80, um, 80 members. We still still need a lot more. Uh, but some of the things that you've been able to uh, accomplish in the city. I, I think that the biggest thing that you need to look at is is the is some of the results of, of election. You know, we just had uh, Rocky running for election, and uh, the city of Pittsburgh is still the largest part of the county, which is why they have almost 800 seats, considering there are over a little over 2,600 in the entire county. You know, they've got 800 seats. So we, if you look at the numbers, Joe Rocky, um, even though he lost, he did not lose by that much. 
And if you look at past elections, even if you're looking at, uh, um, you know, maybe that we didn't have the greatest candidate in the last county executive election, but if you look overall, you know, we we don't really do well in the city. We don't do well um, pulling in Republicans and even in the in Allegheny County. And even though a loss is a loss. You know, in my mind, it's it's kind of a win because it shows how much that we've moved forward and we're actually getting people out there. Um, well, in the spirit of the name of the show, Elephant in the Room, I asked the question, how do you eat an elephant? One piece at a time. One bite at a time. That's right. So Joe Rocky scared a lot of people. Uh, hopefully we can scare him even more four years from now. Uh, so again, a win is a win. And when you look at You know, there are issues that made it hard for our judge candidates to win. I think most of us know what that main issue is. Uh, We don't have to go into that. That that can be a topic for another day. But it seemed to me that the statewide and the judge candidates uh, didn't fare as well as Zapala, Rocky, and our local candidates, I mean, we had a strong, strong local uh, election. Uh, there were several municipalities where the Republicans swept in the council or slash commissioner races. Uh, just in our neck of the woods, Heidelberg picked up a Republican council seat off of a, a incumbent Democrat that did not run again. Collier picked up a Republican uh, commissioner seat from an incumbent Democrat. And again, Bridgeville swept all three. Uh, so something happened there. And again, I, not, not to you know keep bringing up this point, but uh, we had a school board candidate that w- did not cross-file. He was on the ballot as a Republican, and he beat the incumbent Democrat. That is a huge story for our municipality, or our four municipalities. Something happened there. Now, was it the com- committee members uh, aggressively passing out slate cards and making sure that our, our best voters, our high um, or extreme voters, uh, got a slate card and knew who they were voting for? I think so. That had something to do with it. Uh, we also uh, sent out some direct mail pieces about the incumbent Democrat and how they raised taxes, the school taxes in Chartres Valley, Valley every time they had a chance to vote for it. And I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. And we sent that. Uh, direct mail piece to only Democrats. We didn't send it to Republicans. The committee members' responsibility was to reach our Republican voters. That's our responsibility as a committee member. And whether that's by passing out, uh, hanging a brochure on someone's door, making a phone call to a couple uh, neighbors, inviting people to your monthly meetings. And we're, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, You know, some of the best practices that we use uh, to get out the vote. But Suffice it to say, it worked, and it worked on a local scale, and it needs to work in 2024. Uh, I don't think I need to tell anybody out there how important 2024 is, and we need all hands on deck. So um, with that in mind, you know, what's involved? What's involved in being a committee member? And I, I, I'm going to have Karen answer that. And then uh, I'm going to also add some of the things that we've done in our districts uh, that have worked. And then we'll talk a little bit about the results of those uh, efforts. But well, go ahead. Well, was- well I, think, I think a lot of people think that it's a year-round job. And it, and it is in, in the sense that you, that you are the committee uh, person. But, you know, your job is really around election time. 
to to get out there and get people to vote. And whether it is, you know, you you know, show up at, um, you know, different events that you can get the word out, whether it's you're putting, knocking on doors and talking to people, whether it's you're sending out, you know, some type of, of mail or some type of awareness that you can get a message out, um, but also getting people to, if they don't want to be a committee person, which I understand that it, it requires some type of commitment, can you do us uh, a favor here? Can you do a, a solid here? Could you go out one day and work an election poll? One day. You know, that, you know, you might not have the time to say, I, I can't commit to this, but I can go work a poll. So we have all these polls, these three, th- over 1,300 polls. 1,326 polls. And we <laughs> need what's in there, poll watchers. We need people in there to make sure that everything that is supposed to be happening, all the checks and balances that take place um, are happening so that we don't have things that go wrong with the machines. We have people actually following the procedures and the orders that are actually set in place um, by your uh, state and so forth on how the machines are supposed to be operating, how the votes are supposed to be handled. And so if you need, if you have people in there, if you know you're being watched, you're going to do things differently. Um, at least that's my opinion. It's, it's almost like uh, being on a diet. If nobody's looking and I want to reach for those extra french fries or reach for that piece of cake, there's no one there to tell me that I can't do it. However, if I'm a member of, say, you know, uh, Weight Watchers or something and I have to weigh in or I'm doing a, a game with a bunch of friends that we're weighing in once a week and I've got to get on a scale – all of a sudden, we're going to do things different. So having just people in that room for one day, and you could do shifts. We're not even telling you you need to be there the whole day. You know, we could get if we got enough people, you could say you could work this time to this time and so forth. It's just being in there when they know they're being watched, things are done differently. So that's, that's a, a key thing that I know doesn't specifically have to do with the precincts, um, you know, being a committee person. But the committee people can go out and start asking people to fill these polls. Uh, I think that they're some of the the key things that have to take place. Yeah, and they they um, you know there, there's certainly a lot of different tasks that that can be uh, fulfilled uh, as a committee man or a committee woman. And, and again, you know, anyone that is in, interested in election integrity, you know, I implore you to contact John at RCAC. Tell him you want to be a poll watcher. And sign up to watch the polls where the if where the fraud would most likely be, and that would be in some of the inner city uh, polling places. I mean, if you're interested in election integrity, let's you know let's do something. Let's control what we can control. Let's get poll watchers in these polls in the inner city in the precincts that are 99 percent Democrat, and have somebody sit in there and watch what what goes on. That's that's not a hard job if you do it for eight hours twice a year. Boy, that would be, I would consider that person a, a solid committee member if they did something like that. We need to remember, I mean, you're talking about election integrity. I mean, even the little things, being there when they open the polls, when they close the polls, you know, that's when they're, they're drawing, you know, doing numbers. You're making sure that the, the machine is secure when it comes in and when they're doing the tapes at the end of the nights. Even if we can be there during critical times, I think that's really important. Well, and I think the thing that scares people away from getting involved in their local Republican committee is that they think that it's too much work. And it can be. I mean, I, I, I certainly, I know you and I probably do more work than, than we, we'd like. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of work for us. 
but it doesn't have to be a lot of work for your general, uh, you know, appointed committee person. I mean, if someone works the polls during the primary and general election every year, takes a vacation day, whatever you got to do to make yourself available to work the polls those two days, and is a sign distributor in your neighborhood, you're the person that when people need signs, they, they call you. Boy, that'd, that'd really help us out a lot. And, you know, it's not, what's that, 16 hours of sitting in a, well, if you do the whole 13-hour shift, it's 26 hours of sitting in a poll. But again, like Karen said, you can do shifts and you pass out some signs. That's hardly any work at all. And um, they, um, there's another, you know, just to, after our break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the strategies. But there's, it doesn't have to be, I think a lot of people think that it's knocking on doors, talking to voters, they're uncomfortable with the policies, they're not sure exactly what to say if someone asks them a question. We don't want to put you in a situation that's going to make you uncomfortable uh, and have to answer questions. There's ways around knocking on doors and talking to people. So uh, what we've covered so far in the first half hour a um, little bit about what the precinct project was and how we got started, how we developed some of these strategies through RCAC and how we've put them into place. Now, in the second half hour, we're going to talk about results, what we did, best practices, and what, what good results we uh, were able to obtain through those best practices. Again, this is Len Iorio. We'll be right back with the elephant in the room in a minute. Welcome back to The Elephant in the Room. Uh, again, this is Len Iorio, uh, Development Coordinator for uh, the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, along with Karen Paulette, our guest on this show. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, building committees, um, how, why it's important. Uh, what we want to cover in this next half hour is uh, what the responsibilities of a committee man or committee woman are. And and I think it's surprising to most people that those responsibilities don't have to be enormous. Uh, just a couple things, a couple days that you put uh, uh, forth for the cause can really help. And if it, you know, again, it's not someone doing a lot, but it's a lot of people doing a little bit that really moves the needle. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about some actual real-world results some of the things that we've uh, had happen due to our efforts. So once again, Karen Paulette, uh, tell us a little bit about the responsibilities of a committee man or a committee woman. And these are, there's a lot of them and you don't have to do them all. You just pick one or two or you know three or whatever is comfortable for you. But tell us some of the uh, responsibilities of committee people. So um, I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the committee person you know, there are, there are, you know, some handful of responsibilities, but I'm going to say this again as I'm talking about all the things that a committee person should do is that, you know, if you can help out with some of the things that are on the side, which I'm going to go over shortly, that, that's, always, that's always something that we need the entire community to come across. But as a committee person, you know, we, we really go to any meetings that we can possibly go to um, in the area that are around um, voting times, or, you know, at election times, to get the word out. We try to speak to people in our community, our friends. We try to get people 
at the polls. And when I say try, I mean, that's all we can do. We can't ever force anybody. Um, we have um, election lists showing who's voted in the last you know, elections, who used to vote all the time and all of a sudden is not showing up any that's longer. That's important. That's you know, your we roadmap. Can look, we can look at those and say, why are our super voters no longer showing up? You know, um, we can get people to fill all the polls that are in our area or at least, you know, our own polls, you know, to get out there and say we have these precincts that are just in our district or our area of the city or our, our municipality. Can you get hours in that people can go in, fill all those spots during election time? Um, get mailers out if that's what your area wants to do. Door knock if that's what your area wants to do. And, and again, it, it goes by the individuals and what you think will work best for the demographic of your area as well. You know, it could be showing up at local community events that are free to the public and passing out something very simple at the door, you know, a keychain with information on it or having a QR code ready to be scanned. We did a lot know, of car events. shows, a lot of car shows, people that own classic cars. You know, you, you own a $50,000 classic car. We're going to take a chance that you might be a little bit conservative. Um, and rolling so, the dice, yeah. Yeah, we're rolling the dice a little bit on that one. But, uh, you know, it depends, especially if it's a car show in Mount Lebanon, you just never know what you're going to find. Right, that's right, that's uh, right. But, yeah, I mean, uh, gun shows, um, you know, you know and, things and, of that nature that you can stand outside and sign people up or at least get them, get them registered to vote. Or, you know, there's so many things that you can do. And everybody kind of picks their favorite thing. Now, again, for Karen and I, our, our superpower is building committees. That's what we want to do. We want to build the committee and get these committees in, in good working order so that they can uh, push our candidates across the finish line in their jurisdiction, in their community. That's the goal of the committee person, period. So whatever you can do to do that, whether that's putting a yard sign in or working the polls for four hours, you know, you can do. But uh, did you have any other? Yeah, I mean, healthy conversations. You know, people have a, have a habit of bringing up politics or a topic that's of interest, you know, to them, you know, jump in and, and, you know, maybe if you can add insight into what they're saying, but say, well, did you vote? You will be surprised how many people that have opinions about what's going on and that, that are in favor of, you know, the Republican Party that are just not voting. Well, we can't win elections if people aren't going to the polls. Um, you've got to get the message out. And I'm not talking about having controversial conversations. I'm just saying, you know, have you voted? remind them you can register now easier than you ever could be you can register to vote online i always have a pile of voter registration just in my car in case somebody says well i don't go online or i don't do that well here you go here's a paper paper um registration form so it's even small things right. that you do that you're not thinking of and you have to remember is you know allegheny county we're, we have an aging population i think the statistics and the numbers came out last week that we lost i forget what huge percentage we're one of the top counties in the country that um, our population is declining so you know with that we have you know a lot of different blood that is coming into the area. We have a lot of international blood and so forth that are that are coming into our county. You know, we need to maybe get out into the community to get people to, to, to vote as well. Don't forget, we have young voters that may have not been registered to vote. I tell this story all the time. Um, I used to, to think that automatically when you turned 18, someone knocked at your door and um, gave you a voter registration. And the reason that I believe that until I was into my 30s is because that's what happened to me. 
I was 18 years old, and our magistrate at the time, um, his wife knocked on my door on my 18th birthday and said, hey, you're um, 18 today. You need to register to vote, and you need to be a Democrat. And I did what she said. I signed the paper, <gasps> and that's how, at, at wow. that time, I was a Democrat. And so it was years later in the process that I was like, what do you mean you have to register to you vote? You thought they that should, was standard yeah, practice. Yeah, I thought they showed up at your door. But no, he, that's just the, Demo the Democrats outworking us, and that's part of the pro problem. That's why we need the committee people. Yeah, and you're thinking, no, that's over 30 years ago. And all these, you know, up until my late 30s, you know, for, for you know, 20 years, I thought that's what happened. But the reality is, is they've always been a step ahead of us, and it seems like they stay. However, there's, you know, good news that you can look at that that's here. I mean, you know, even though we're not talking about it, I'm going to bring it up. Just the Zappala election. I mean, he was forced to run um, as a Republican. I think, you know, he, he was a, a down-the-middle candidate. But the fact that we pulled that off when the when at first the numbers were saying that that wasn't going to happen well, shows it was some forward. It was forward, forward thinking on our part, too, to make sure we told our, our constituents that we need to write him in. He needs enough write-in votes to, right, to eventually right. end up on the Republican right. side. Now, if we were dead asleep, that's right. He would have lost, and it would have been over. We would have had to do a write-in campaign against and, uh, and, Dugan, and that and that's heavily because worked. of the committee people. Yeah, because you need to have X amount of write-ins. Committee people stepped up on that one. That's You're right. absolutely right. That's a very good example on a county-wide uh, basis of how the committees. And the suburban committees obviously helped pull right. in and the that's correct. city committees. And those numbers didn't change till late. He was ch trailing all the way until yep. going into 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. Um, and then the numbers start turning over. We but the caught up to the mail-in votes. That's right. And that's another thing. You know, if you can't vote, you know, do the mail-in. I know that, that a lot of us don't like the idea of mail-ins. But the reality is because we don't like it, they're beating us. You know, 80 to 90 percent of the mail-in ballots you know, uh, going into 2020 and, and after are all Democrats. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. I know, again, I don't that's love it myself, but the reality is that's where they're, they're stomping us. And they are, I mean, it, it's not even a, it's not even a fight. It's, it's like taking a bull and putting it with a chicken. Well, and our win. extreme, our extreme voters, our, our Republican voters that vote every single time, they don't have to worry. Although there's always a situation you can get sick and not be able to make it to the polls. And if you had a mail-in ballot, you would have been able to get your vote in early. I get all that. But our, our extreme voters that go to the polls every, every, uh, for every vote, they don't need mail-in ballots. But what's the excuse for registered Republicans that haven't voted since... Trump Biden. Come on. There is no excuse. I mean, we passed out in our community, we passed out self-addressed stamped envelopes. I always have to be able to careful saying that because I always want to say the other thing. And you, Daryl, you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, self yeah. Self-abuse stamped envelopes. Antelopes. Um, with the application for a mail-in ballot, we couldn't have made it any more idiot-proof for, for our people. I mean, all they had to do is fill out the mail-in ballot request, put it in the pre-stamped envelope that already had the Elections Bureau address on it and drop it in a mailbox or leave it in their mailbox for their mailman. Uh, that's what we need. If we would have had, like, I would guess, what, 5% of the people, Republicans that didn't vote in this last election would have filled out mail-in ballots, Joe Rocky would have won. Absolutely. And that's a fact. Absolutely. And it's a shame. And these are the people that say, well, my vote doesn't count anyway. Well, you know what? You're right. It doesn't count because you didn't vote. 
that's, so that's what I'm saying is, you know, as part of a committee person, you know, getting making sure people are voting to your friends. Are, part of us. Your, we have to tell that story. Right. Are we your gotta, kids registered? Are your nieces and nephews registered? And, you know, and, and, and again, we talked about the fact that you might not have the time to be a committee person, but there is something that every single person can do going into Election Day or on Election Day. You can pick up the phone and you can call 10 friends. And you can tell them, don't forget to vote today and remind them, you know, if you're, you're strong about a candidate, who to vote for. You know, it doesn't take anything but a couple seconds. You have it on speed dial. I know the phone's already in your hand anyway. And just call them or text them even better. You don't even have to talk to them and right. say, well, don't forget to vote. Right. And we have a couple uh, committee people in our committee that are older. We have one, one woman who's in her 80s. And we have a, a, a gentleman that is uh, has trouble walking he could never walk steps and and do a literature drop or do any door knocking or anything like that but when it comes time to you know pitch in with some stamps because we're doing a mailer or uh you know pay for uh copies uh for for letters that we're going to send out he's always available and i mean i look at this guy he's not physically able to help us in any way but he finds ways to help us and he's at every meeting and uh, he's a good, solid committee person. I mean, that's a perfect example. You know, when you're an able-bodied person, you know, uh, we don't ask you to do much, uh, but th- we do have, you know, some strategies uh, that we put in place, uh, you know, going back to how to build the committee. All right, uh, I ran for the committee seat and I won. Now what? Now what do I do? Well, you got to reach out to all the, you know, take your list of, uh, Republican uh, registered Republicans and you send a letter out to all of them and you introduce yourself and you set up your first monthly meeting and you hope that people come and when they're there you explain to them what the process is we talked a lot about the different responsibilities of a committee member you know some of the things that we did just to you know kind of bring this back to okay this is a lot of great talk but what what were the results we started um, building our committee in May of last year uh, when I won the committee uh, the committee man seat, we immediately put together a Facebook page. We got a website uh, thanks to a friend who did some pro bono work uh, for us. Um, we uh, were, were digitally sound, and then we set up our first <laughs> meetings and um, reached out to the people, knocked on some doors, sent some um, you know letters out. We had a pretty good turnout in the. You know, we still have about the same number of people that show up uh, every week. So that was the start of it. Now, what do we do to get our uh, candidates across the finish line? And what our strategy was, because we didn't have a lot of people, when I ran for committee man, I had to go out and uh, hang one of my brochures on. And what I did is I just used hung a brochure on the door of every extreme Republican voter because the people that were definitely going to vote, I wanted to make sure I reached out and I touched them. And while I did that, I also passed out a brochure for Jason Kilmeyer, who ran for Congress against Jeremy Schaefer, if you guys remember that. He's a friend of mine. He reached out to me and wanted me to help him with uh, his campaign early, and I promised that I would do that. So as I passed out my brochures for committee man, I also hung a a door hanger on uh, the door for Jason Kilmeyer. Well, long story short, Jason Kilmeyer won 71% of the votes in my district. He didn't win 71% of the votes in any other district in the county. As a matter of fact, I think he lost like 75 to 25 or something like that to Jeremy Schaefer. But it right after that, it dawned on me, 
that had to be because I reached out to all of those people. And all I did was say, I didn't, no long drawn out vote for Jason Kilmeyer, just his, his brochure and I hung it on the, on the door. And I started to realize, look, that was pretty easy. I did that by myself. I hit these 85 homes. What if I had 10 people and we could hit all 250 Republican homes in my, uh, in my district? What would happen then? What if I had 12 or 15 people and we could pick up the other 130 independent homes and maybe reach out with, with a brochure or a, a bag with some you know, information to them? And so that's what I did. Uh, the next time around... We got our committee together and we went out. We, the only time we did any work whatsoever was the Saturday before the election. We went out with 250 bags. We had about 20 people helping us. So it was uh, pretty easy, about 10, 10 houses per person. And we hung those bags on the door. The bags contained the slate card of candidates that we were asking them to vote for, uh, a, a candidate, some candidate brochures. And then we had a, a piece in there that I had written you know, about the importance of this election, why we're asking you to vote for these candidates. Very simple. We didn't knock on any doors. Uh, the conversation that we would have had with a, uh, someone on their front porch was contained in the letter that I wrote telling them wh what, where, when, and why we needed their help. And that, that election last year, although we lost the Fetterman and Oz race and many more, we were up 35%. The highest number of votes we had pre in the previous congressional race was 182. The highest number we had uh, last year was 245. So somehow we went from 182 votes to 245. That's significant. I mean, that's a significant jump. Again, if all 1,326 voting districts in Allegheny County went from 182 votes to 245, we'd win every race. We wouldn't lose again until the Democrats caught up to us and realized what we were doing and then started replicating our efforts which is what I hope we get to at some point. Right. So these are some of the things. This was, I mean, you want to talk about very little heavy lifting. We all sat around and we filled bags until we had 250 bags. And then we took about an hour per person to go out and pass them out. And we had that kind of uh, response. Now, this last election, we did the same thing. And I think, you know, not, not to go over that again, but uh, we picked up a, a committee uh, or a council seat in Heidelberg we picked up three council seats in Bridgeville. We picked up a council seat in Collier, and we swept all five of our uh, school district candidates. Right, and that's what doing what the exact same thing this year. That's what Plum did last year. Plum did the same thing. They filled their committee spots, and they were able to get the mayor, everything, school board, you name it. They they nailed it all um, last year. So it does make a difference. So we've now given you several examples where this has worked, you know, we, the largest example is to show where it worked in Loudoun County in Virginia, you know, and Lenny's sitting here telling you how, how Heidelberg was just a success story. And we can go back and look at other areas such as Robinson, Plum, et cetera, you know, that's come through um, heavily. And again, I can't remember filling if, it was, those seats. if it was Bethel or Upper St. Clair, but they did, it was one of those, I swear it was one of those two communities that also had a sweep in their uh, school district. So one thing to note is uh, we have all these seats that are open. You know, we, we mentioned that there are 1,300 and some precincts. We have 2,600 seats. Um, we only have about uh, 800. About 900. Eight to 900, about 900. We're pushing 900 members right now, which is great. Okay, so we still have 1,700 spots. So we can, there are appointed committee positions um, that can happen for the next uh, three years because there's an election every Four years. Right, you wouldn't run right. as an actual elected 
committee person for another year and a half, I believe. Correct, in 2026, in 2026 the primary of the gubernatorial be, year. Right, so May of 2026, we will all you know, have yeah. to run to be elected again. So between now and then, now again, 2026 is a few, is, is a good bit past the presidential election next year. We need these bodies now, not in 2026. So if you're interested, you can reach out to RCAC and, you know, get an appointment. Maybe you can talk about that for a second or how that works. Or Yeah, well, I mean, essentially we have committees. We have about 70 committees throughout the county here. And typically what happens is the local committee chair will uh, appoint somebody and then it needs the chairman, uh, Sam DeMarco, to sign off on it. And that's sort of how the process works. They advise and uh, Sam signs off. Yeah, it's a pretty easy process. And then, again... Um, you're, you're an official appointed member of the, uh, Plum Committee or Mount Lebanon Committee or whichever one, uh, you know, municipality you live in. And then, um, you know, month, attending monthly meetings, uh, you know, there, there are certain months that are more important than other ones. For example, this, uh, this month we didn't have a, a normal monthly meeting in our community room. Uh, we combined with, uh, local uh, committees of Scott Collier in Bridgeville, we meaning Heidelberg. Uh, we also had the chair of the Carnegie Committee at our at our uh, like a Christmas party that we had last last night. Um, so we were able to get together. We were able to talk about uh, results. We were able to go over uh, you know some of the results from you know four years ago and compare them to this year. It was a good time, and we still were able to get some committee business done too. So. You know, some of this can be, you know, some of the committees have their monthly meetings are more like a social hour. They, w they will have their meeting at a restaurant. They'll sit, they'll eat, they'll, you know, uh, converse. And then at a certain time, you know, seven o'clock or whatever their start time is, they put all the food away and, and they have their meeting. Uh, so it can be as fun as you want to make it or as uh, business-like as you want to make it. It, it. There's no right and wrong way of doing this. The, the, the key is to get enough people, like-minded people that want to make a difference and put together a plan for them. So like, for instance, right now, let's just say in January of 2024, what is our plan? What should we be doing? Well, actually, right now, we should be looking for candidates uh, to run next year. Now, of course, we've already got most of our candidates and we know who who's going to run for what position let me add this though we are still looking for candidates for some of our house and state senate well there seats. you go yeah. so this is that that's what we should be looking for right now and these where do these candidates come from they come from the committee you know the cream always rises to the top so you're going to find people within your committee that are going to become leaders clear leaders and these are good candidates for, uh, you know, elected positions. Uh, these are the people, Mike Doyle, yeah, who ran against Summer Lee. Now he's a magistrate. Oh, he is a magistrate now. Yeah, okay. he was just elected last year. But he year. started yeah, out yeah. with, if I'm not mistaken, Plum Committee, right? Yeah. He was the Plum he's, Committee he's on guy. The plum, yeah, he's actually on the Plum And then he ran for council. their borough, so I guess council, right? Yeah. And now he's a magistrate. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, anybody that knows Mike knows he's a top quality human being. And I'm not surprised, and a leader. Um, and I'm not surprised that he, he's now a magistrate. I'm still surprised that he lost to Summer Lee, but that's another conversation for another time. You know, full committee membership may have changed that. And that's what we're here to talk about today. That's why it's so important to fill these, can, uh, fill these uh, positions. Now, some of the other things that we do, 
when we work at the polls, we have people inside that are, you know, poll watchers. But as the chair of the Heidelberg Committee, I feel like it's my responsibility to be the face of the party in my committee. So whenever there's an election, whether it's the primary or the general, you're going to find me outside the polling place, and it looks like a Republican Party carnival. I've got my tailgate open on my wife's car. I've got a big white table with a sign that says Heidelberg Republican Committee. I've got tchotchkes. I've got buttons. I've got brochures. I've got sample ballots and a big sign stuck to the front of my wife's Pathfinder that says, come get a sample ballot before you vote. I've got copies of the Constitution, free copies of the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Stop by and grab one. I've got a sign on the front of my car that says, come grab a copy of the Constitution. Now, why would we do this? Because now all of a sudden, mostly Republican voters are going to come over. Some of them identify me as the guy that always, and I quote, the guy that always sends me letters, which is awesome. I want them to know that, I, yes, that's me. I'm the guy that always sends you letters. And we get their name and email address so that we no longer have to send them letters at 60 cents a piece or whatever it costs to send a letter these days. And it's good, you know, face-to-face, shaking hands, kissing babies kind of stuff. Uh, People get to know you. They see you on the street and they say, hey, who should I vote for in this upcoming election? You know, who's to tell me the scoop? What's going on with this candidate or that candidate? And you become a resource to your community. Now, that's committee chair. That's a lot more responsibility than someone that's just going to be a committee man or committee woman and maybe stand there and pass out ballots with me, you know, for for, uh, the 13 hours. So there's, uh, you know, from soup to nuts, there's a lot of ways you can get involved. And it's, uh, it's the only way that we overcome, you know, the, uh, the issues that are out there for the voting, um, you know, election integrity and that sort of thing. We've got to have all hands on deck. So we're coming up to the end of the program here. I just want to make sure that we've covered everything. I think we have. Karen, tell me... Uh, what, what your thoughts are on how we move forward in the 2024? My thoughts are, you know, if you don't have time to be a committee person or to be appointed is to, to get out there and do something, you know, whether it's work a pool, um, make some phone calls up at RCAC, going into election time. Um, nobody's asking that you necessarily have to be out in the street knocking on doors, but the small stuff, you know, tell your friends, make sure your, your children, grandchildren, neighbors, et cetera, are, are registered to vote. You know, it's, it's the small things that count and small things together build up to very large things. And that's what makes a difference. Well, that's why I'm glad that we were able to have this topic uh, on this show today in December, because we're about a month before all hell breaks loose. And uh, we need to start talking about this right now. So, uh, again, anyone that is interested in helping for the 2024 push, please check out uh, RCAC, the Republican Committee of Allegheny County's website. There's contact information there for me. I believe Karen's contact information. If not, you can contact her through me. Uh, The director, uh, John Schneider, his information's on there. Uh, We will get you put in the right place and with the right people and uh, assist you in starting your committee, uh, best practices, and, you know, how to build your committee and the steps that are needed uh, to get the candidates across the finish line. Again, I keep, I'm a broken record, but that's, that's the goal. That's what we're here for. So um, just to wrap this up, this is the elephant in the room on WJS. My name is Len Iorio. Thank you. I appreciate the guest host, and we will talk to you again soon.